was a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. I am Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on Wednesday, the 26th of November, 2008. There are always newcomers looking into RBN, and that's very encouraging that so many young people are also tuning into the show. They haven't been quite corrupted or jaded with society, and they're eager to know what's going on. So I suggest that newcomers look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com, and on the website, you'll find so many talks I've given in the past about the big history of this incredible system, this integrated system in which we live, a system that was not developed or simply came from the grassroots by the people, but was planned well in advance by very rich, powerful people who created powerful organizations and they call this new type of government governance. And I'll be going on to that in this talk, in fact, and going into it in more depth. Also look into Alan AlanWattSentinel.eu, and you can find transcripts of my talks there, which you can print up and pass around to your friends in the various languages of Europe. You know, we've been conned since birth literally conned as, a, as a, a reality was given to the public. I liked the biography of George Orwell because he goes into the techniques that he learned at university. And he came from a long lineage of bureaucrats and foreign office workers for the British government. During World War II, he worked in the Department of Propaganda at the BBC. Actually, he said himself that every department in the BBC was a Department of Propaganda. His job there was to convince on daily talk shows how to have the British housewife cook the worst kinds of meats that were left because of the rationing and all the rest of it, make them into delicious meals and how it was done, but he also mixed with those in other departments of the war propaganda and also the post-war propaganda because he knew, like all the big people in those days, those higher-up types, because of their associations, their friends, the old boys' network, and the clubs they, they belonged to, they knew what the post-war world had already been designed to be. They knew that the United Nations had been set up during World War II, really, really incarnated from the, from the League of Nations to become a form of world government. And not just government. You see, that sounds all right, government. But it was to be a whole new way of life, a planned society. And the enemy of the planned society, that various enemies, one was the family unit, had to be destroyed. They also had to reduce the population, a big thing on their agenda. Had been from the days of Malthus and long before him, 
And we also had to destroy any values that thought people thought were normal. When you have nothing to compare normal with, then you are in flux. And when you're in flux, any crazy thing can be introduced to the public, no matter how bizarre it seems initially through enough training and propaganda and repetition, and then by the force of law, you're forced to change your mind and accept things which are generally unacceptable. And I'll be back with more about this mind control and the system after this break. I am Alan Watt, and we're cutting through the matrix, this big system that controls millions and billions of people across the planet that's been in the works for a long, long time, all interconnected, heavily funded, and the system itself is integrating, it really is integrated already with with federal governments, completely enmeshed. And I was talking about normalcy before. People for centuries and centuries had lived in traditional ways. They'd gone through, they could have been under different kinds of overlords and so on, but they generally found that males and females mated up and they tended to have families and stick together. And that had to be destroyed. So a massive campaign from a hundred different directions was directed at that. And plus, they had to destroy mainly Christianity, that was in their sights because Christianity had caused them so many problems in the past because it went against many of their their, their mandates, the mandates of the big institutions. And people often fought against governments when they thought that the government was literally going against their deity. Therefore, that had to be eradicated too. But they also knew that religion was very, very important for controlling people so they decided to create a new religion for the world. And it, it would take a hundred years literally to develop. And they started it around 1880 with Madame Blavatsky, who was put out there by basically the Society of English Freemasons, backed by British lords, by the way. That's where her money came from. And the person who took over, you had Annie Besant who literally was the daughter of a British lord. And Besant is the, the name that the Templars called their flag, the Besant. But anyway, all down through the ages, people lived pretty well much the same. And since the 1960s onwards, that's when the big attack really took place. And in came the New Age, which had to be, as they decided in the 1800s, a blend of Hinduism, basically, with a little bit of Christianity, especially the bits that made you obey, made you placid, and turn the other cheek. And the goal, according to Blavatsky, was to blend science. Science was all the rage in the 1800s. Any religion was starting to grab science and attach it to itself. So you had various kind of Christian scientists and so on. All these organizations came out about the same time. All again with Masonic backgrounds. 
associations, you see, are very handy to have because one leader can be put in who control the minds of millions of people. That's why they encourage associations and massive groups to form. But propaganda, as I was talking about earlier, is technique that's used. Bertrand Russell talked about using, bringing in Madison Avenue, the big advertising companies, the ones who really understood how to alter the behavior of people by persuasion, mainly by understanding their weaknesses. And once you understand the weakness, you can exploit that weakness. And they did bring the big marketing companies on board. They combined it with behavioral psychology and the Skinner types of uh, behaviors, um, basically reprogramming through Skinner ideology. Now, a lot of that does work. And Skinner got his ideas, too, from Pavlov and others had gone before him. People who are big heroes in the scientific milieu. And yet, when you look at what they were doing, they were really psychopathic sadists. Because anyone who can experiment with dogs like Pavlov, and humans, by the way, as well, and stick things in their brains and punish them and shock them and stand by like an insect observing its prey, is not totally human. There's something absent in their head. But what makes it more dangerous is that Pavlov and Skinner and all these characters were heavily funded by big foundations. Heavily funded. Massively so. Foundations that have gone through wars, fomenting wars, financing Nazism. They also financed the birth and the maintenance of the Soviet system. And these foundations are on today, go on today. They're never punished. You see, they're untouchable because behind them are very old families that really run the world, including royalty. Bertrand Russell, who was a lord, a British lord, said there's no nonsense, no, no stupidity or foolishness or crazy ideas, no nonsense so arrant that it cannot be made the creed, the belief of the vast majority by adequate government action. And when I think of all the things that made the public believe, as I say, first through persuasion, repetition, and then by education, forcing it into education, and then making it law, that there's so many topics you can't even ask a question about now, then Russell was right. They're even more right when you hear people spouting this stuff to your face in conversation. It's like a robot. Because behaviorism works, you see. The psychology works. So here's something about global warming. And global warming is another big nonsense, so arrant, you see, that's been put out there, not just to soak the people's money from them, but literally to create the reason for government and world government taking over every part of your life. That's the real reason behind it. The Club of Rome another untouchable foundation, heavily financed and all interconnected with the big boys, stated in their own book, The First Global Revolution, that back in the 70s, looked upon a way 
to unite the whole world together to fight a common enemy. And they found that the public obeyed and would go through crazy things. They would take crazy answers and excuses for things, for doing things, but accept it because it was wartime. And they'd do without less or do with less. And they'd obey their masters more easily. So they took a war going and they said, they're to put all the possibilities, what would make man unite. Remember the idea of a space invasion. That was not a crazy idea thrown out to the public, although they did trial balloons with it. But it was also first said by John Dewey, you know, the one who was brought over from the Frankfurt School to introduce the whole idea that human beings were just animals, children were little animals, and they could be taught Pavlovian style to believe anything. It was repeated down through the 20th century, and Ronald, Ronald Reagan read, read it in, or said it in about 10 different speeches that he gave. It's a pity we couldn't be invaded from another planet by an alien race, because then we'd all pool together to fight them. So the Club of Rome, getting back to them, they looked at all these possibilities, and they said in their own book that in the 70s, they thought about global warming or climate change, and I think it convinced man that he was the problem, then it, that all unites under world authority that would dictate to them how to behave and how to run their lives. A wartime scenario. So here's the errant things that are coming out of it, apart from all these fart taxes for cattle and all the rest of it, and the fact we're all getting head taxes put on us for breathing. Here's a part here from China, and it's from routers, or Reuters. They call it Reuters, which is a, a scrambled Router. A router is something that directs. Routers was set up, or Reuters, by the Rothschilds. They owned it. I don't know if they still do. And then it was run by MI5 for a long time, because the whole idea of routing information is to direct information, and all the other media simply know what's right. They know where to go, and they pick it up, and that's the authorized info that's to be dished out to the profane. So that's from Reuters. And it's an, an actual article, August the 30th, 2007, went out. It says, by Alastair Doyle, environment correspondent. See, they have their own environment correspondent. It says, Vienna, China says its one-child policy has helped the fight against global warming by avoiding 300 million births, the equivalent of the population of the United States. But delegates at United Nations Climate Change the whole department of the United Nations, you know, these wonderful people who are unelected. At talks in Vienna said on Thursday, birth control is unlikely to find favor as a major policy theme, partly because of opposition by, and I'll add, the very old enemy, the Catholic Church, and some developing nations trying to increase their population. So what they're telling you there, if you read it properly, is the United Nations is all for depopulation which it certainly is. And we have been getting depopulated for a long time by inoculations and the food that they feed us and the chemicals they add to plastics, to the feeding bottles. I've gone through articles on that, which is from the scientists themselves, and how they're basically sterilizing the male population. So the UN isn't too happy that, that some, place, some, some organizations like the Catholic Church are against 
this, this idea of not having children or, abor- or abortions. And some developing nations are just trying to increase their population. Did you know, for instance, that when you hear of starvation in other countries, it's generally not because they're overpopulated. It's because when you look into the facts that are available, they're generally underpopulated and they don't have the people to literally do the farming. The other cause is the West. The West have fomented wars, civil wars all over the place. And when wars go on, the farming doesn't happen. There's always other reasons, you see, for what's really, really going on. And you have to get through the matrix to understand it. That's what I'm trying to do. I'll be back with more after this break. I am Alan Watts. This is Cutting Through the Matrix. Reading an article from Reuters News from 2007 to show you another errant belief. It's been pushed until it's now almost the law to believe it. And that is climate change and global warming and how China claims that their massive abortion system there uh, and the one child per family idea is actually helping the planet. It's helping save people from having global warming. And the United Nations is bitching about the fact that there's some opposition yet to their mandatory control over everyone's lives. It says, some scientists say that birth control measures far less draconian than China's are wrongly overlooked in the fight against climate change when the world population, and here's another big lie, you see, they've used lies since the days of Malthus. The population is expected to soar to about 9 billion by 2050 from 6.6 billion now. Now, the same United Nations tells you, if you go into their, their documentation, it's going to drastically fall after the year 2015 and even further so by 2025. They don't tell you why. They know why. They know why. They're already sterilizing the people. They understand that. They'd love to throw out these big scary numbers, and Thomas Malthus was great for that. He actually introduced graphs. Graphs are very impressive to con people, you see. And Charles Galton Darwin did the same when he fudged all these statistics with the IQ test to meet all the British children take. He was caught fudging them. But you can't keep a good liar down. Since your population is clearly an important factor, said Vaud de Boer, from the De Boer family, head of the UN Climate Change Secretariat at UN, talks trying to plan a new, now listen to this, plan a new deal to combat climate change after 2012. <laughs> they love their numbers, don't they? China, which rejects criticism, and a new deal, remember, means a new deal. You should take that very seriously, a new deal. China, which rejects criticism that is doing too little to confront climate change, says that its population is now 1.3 billion against 1.6 billion that had not imposed tough birth control measures in the late 1970s. Now, they know they're already, they've already got too many men in China, and that's what, one of the reasons, apart from the fact they're sterilizing the men too, uh, and the men don't know it yet. But uh, they, they know that's why it's going to drastically fall in the future, because there's not enough women. So the number of births avoided equals the entire population of the United States. Beijing 
says that fewer people means less demand for energy and lower emissions of heat-trapping gases from burning fossil fuels. This is only an illustration of the actions we have taken, said Su Wai, a senior foreign ministry official heading China's delegation to the 158-nation talks from August the 27th to the 31st. He told Reuters that Beijing was not arguing that its policy was a model for others to follow in a global drive to ever more chaotic weather patterns, droughts, floods, erosion, and rising ocean levels. But avoiding 300 million births means we averted 1.3 billion tons. It's great how they can draw these statistics out of the air, literally. (laughs) 1.3 billion tons of carbon dioxide in 2005 based on average world per capita emission of 4.2 tons, he says. You know, this is all voodoo. It's all voodoo. All this global warming stuff and statistics and tonnage, etc., of carbon dioxide, they just pluck it out the air. There's no nonsense so arrant it can't be made believable by the vast majority of people. Then they go on to talk about Germany and how much much it's supposed to emit every year. And it says here, Beijing introduces one-child policy in the late 1970s. The rules vary across the country. Well, they certainly do, because, you see, the wealthy elite families can have a little bit more, you see. Some are more equal than others in such utopias, said George Orwell. But usually limit families to one, or at most two, children. Population has not been taken serious enough in the climate debate, said Chris Ripley. Good name. Incoming head of the Science Museum in London. So, you see, the population, some of the world here, has not been taken serious enough in the climate debate. I told you this climate debate nonsense is going to rule our lives. Coupled with the Earth's religion, all ties in, you see. He says he favours a greater drive for education about family planning to avoid unwanted births and slow population growth, slow population growth. But tougher birth control runs into opposition from the Roman Catholic Church and from some developing nations which favour rising birth rates and have per capita emissions a fraction of those in rich nations. Quite interesting to understand the incredible intellect of these psychopaths at the top who came up with all these ideas I mean, here they are telling you you cannot believe in a God that is supernatural. And they base it on the fact that you just can't get concrete, scientifically tested evidence. And here they are pulling absolute rubbish. And I mean that literally out of the sky. And coming up with quotas and percentages and stuff like that. You know, an old Stoic philosophy of ancient Greece, they believed that that, that common sense had to rule. And logic could never be bent one way and then bent another, depending on the topic. If the same nonsense was happening in one area, and you had had nonsense in another area, you'd apply the Stoic philosophy, meaning we're both nonsense. Quite interesting eh, how they play with our minds. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth.
Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. Now remember, the United Nations has already put up China on a pedestal as a model state for the rest of the world to follow. If we'd said that 30, 40 years ago, there'd been an uprising in the West. Because at that time, we knew that China was under communism. They were executing people left, right and center. They still are, by the way. But they favored this type of system, the collectivist system. The Club of Rome said it too in the book I mentioned earlier, the first global revolution, that all the system that they'd looked at, they found that collectivism, meaning communism, was the best because there was no conflicting parties. Therefore, they could put through agendas and plans and get them done very quickly. The same thing that Margaret Thatcher said about the power of government that she belonged to. Just democracy is to just, just takes too long with competing parties and arguments on the floor of Parliament. But those behind the scenes in the real government, the power government, could, were unanswerable to the public, make their agendas and follow them through, get them done quickly. So you see, the same system is already here worldwide. And in this particular vein, to do with population control in China, you also find this in the Wise Up Journal from the 26th of November 2008, where they have the same write-up from Reuters. And then they go on at, at, at the bottom to say here, Australian, this is, this to let you know, this is actually being pushed ahead in all countries. Australian Medical Journal recommends parents to be charged $5,000 ahead for every child after their second and an annual tax up to $800. This is punishment. They're punishing you, you see. Couples who have more than two children should be charged a lifelong tax to offset their extra offspring's carbon dioxide emissions. The British Medical Journal recommends, and the UK is explaining to the UK couples who plan a family that's stopping at two children or at least having one less child than the first intended, is the simplest and biggest contribution anyone can make investing in contraception would help in the fight against climate change. So as you see, I'm telling you, this is going to be the horror of horrors for these eugenicists at the top who want to reduce the world's population to a manageable level, a very small level of servants, especially bread actually by then, to serve them better. What they've said in all their books, the elite themselves will not alter themselves. They must stay wild and free and retain their survival capabilities. Daily Mail, 2006, there were 2,001, one, no, it was 201,173 abortions in England and Wales. Same Daily Mail says Catherine Kent, 27, and her partner Kevin Gray, 28, were devastated when they were told that their unborn baby had died at eight weeks and she was offered an abortion or pills to shorten the miscarriage. But Catherine chose to wait for the baby to pass naturally. And a month later, lo and behold, she was stunned when a scan revealed that her child was still alive. How many other people have taken the tablets or had an abortion when their baby was alive all the time? You, of course, out there will think all oh, this is just screw-ups and mistakes. That's how you'll think. And that's what the lead to count on. 1991, leading scientists, philosophers, political advisors former politicians and many other influential bureaucrats and technocrats co-authored a report titled 
the first global revolution. That's why I mentioned. Now, here's the ISBN number for those who want to get a hold of it. ISBN 0-671-71107-5, in which they wrote, uh, in searching for a new enemy to unite us, all of humanity, we came up with the idea that pollution, the threat of global warming, water shortages, famine and the like, would fit the bill. That's the words right from the book. All these dangers are caused by human intervention and it's only through changed attitudes and behavior that they can be overcome. This is what they wanted to make, you see. Because the real enemy then is humanity itself. See, that was the idea. That's right from their book. The Canadian Broadcasting Corporation reported, the CBC, the average sperm count of a North American college student today is less than half of what it was 50 years ago. And again, all all of you out there will think, ah, it's just coincidence. The quality of sperm is declining. 85% of the sperm produced by a healthy male is DNA damaged. The chemical industry has developed more than 90,000 man-made chemicals in the last 60 years. And the ones they decide to put in your food, in your plastics, and all the rest of it, and in the cosmetics that the mothers will wear, pregnant mothers, will basically guarantee that child is completely infertile, or at least has less than a 15% chance of ever having a child of his own. Elitist Bertrand Russell, the third Earl Russell, from 1872 to 1970, a Nobel Prize winner, of course he was, worked on the education of young children, was also an award winner of the United Nations Educational, Scientific and Cultural Organization. That's the big UNESCO that plans to create a, a global culture through indoctrination of the children. He is a highly respected man by the excessively rich dominant minority. In his book, The Scientific Outlook, written in 1931, he recommended, perhaps by means of injections and drugs and chemicals, the population could be induced to bear whatever its scientific masters may decide to be for its good. I'll read that last part again for the heart of thinking. Lord Bertrand Russell in the Scientific Outlook, his book, written in 1931. 1931. This has been going on a long time, and they've been doing it, by the way. He recommended that perhaps by means of injections and drugs and chemicals, the population could be induced to bear whatever its scientific masters may decide to be for its good. That's on page 256. Daily Mail. Baby bottles containing a controversial gender-bending chemical are to be barred in Canada. You know the reason that they're banning it in Canada? Because people like myself, they made such a stink about it that they couldn't ignore it. So it's the first country to introduce such a ban. BPA mimics the female sex hormone estrogen. That's exactly what Charles Galton Darwin said they'd put into the men. Exactly what he said they'd put into the male. BPA mimics the female sex hormone estrogen and has been linked to birth defects in boys, heart disease in adults, and lower sperm counts and breast cancer in animals. They don't know what causes breast cancer. It's a big mystery. The chemical is an ingredient of polycarbonate plastic, a 
lightweight shatterproof version used for CD cases, drink bottles, special lenses, and food containers. Why would they put the most dangerous toxin in food containers? When they knew from the late 1800s what it did to the mail. Why would they do that? Oh, they just screwed up again, eh? For all you coincidence theories out there. It also crops up in the resins used to line food cans. Of course it does. Make loose paints and dental sealants. Studies have shown that BPA can leach from plastic bottles into their liquid contents. That was put up in 2008 from the Daily Mail. Canadian Broadcasting Corporation again. Synthetic chemicals are now ubiquitous in our lives and widely dispersed in virtually everything we consume and touch. Bisphenol A, that's the the main one, it languished until the 1930s when it was discovered that it could be used as a synthetic estrogen. It was discovered it could be used as a synthetic estrogen, 1930s. In the 1950s, it was discovered that bisphenol A had the remarkable ability to make plastics more pliable and less prone to crack. Between 1980 and 2000, U.S. production of bisphenol A grew nearly five times and it is now a ubiquitous component of clear polycarbonate plastics. It's also on the toys from China that your young babies are sucking on. It says here to view your fictitious carbon dioxide, carbon dioxide life-giving gas to vegetation output by metric tons of CO2 per person of each country. It says click on the link below from the Earth Trends of the World Resources Institute United Nations Collaborator. And they give you the link and I'll put it up on my site at the end of this talk. So, you can understand when these people, and these were only some of them, who put out the same ideas of using the needle, inoculating people, they meant to sterilize them. It wasn't just to sterilize them, by the way, because the departments are working with bacteria and viral warfare and chemical warfare departments of the military. They find ways of introducing crippling diseases for the Western people that would make them uneligible or ineligible for marriage partners. If the public truly knew the horror that's been inflicted upon them deliberately by mass psychopathic murderers, I would hope they'd still have enough hormones left in them to do something about it. For many, they will never be able to comprehend this as beyond their acceptability level. They look for any excuse, any excuse rather than the real one that stares them in the face. In a court of law, remember, the preponderance of evidence in the absence of an admission, the preponderance of evidence concludes the verdict. And we have so much piles of evidence to prove beyond any doubt, that the population of the world has been under silent but deliberate attack their entire lives, that it's just overwhelming. Overwhelming. 
Madonna apparently is going through a divorce, and that's all the major news you're getting right now. Now I'll go to the phone calls now. We've got Joe from Pennsylvania. Are you there, Joe? Hello, Mr. Watts. Hello. How are you? Not so bad. Uh, I, was, I was listening intently. Um, you know, with the with people with the media, the TV, we're all been indoctrinated. We're just through the years. We're just we we believe what we see and we accept it as reality. I've yes. been, I've woken up uh, about two years ago, and there is no end to the rabbit hole. Yeah. And I was just I was wondering about something uh, over in Iceland. They had the riots over there. Mm-hmm. And um, do you think that on that small scale, they were using that as a litmus test for what is going to happen in the United States when martial law gets declared? And I have no doubt whatsoever. I've got articles here where they're preparing for riots around uh, about a year's time, or 2010 perhaps, but maybe a year even, looking to forge food riots in the United States. Because you understand with the food being in, of the world being in the hands of about five agribusinesses that really are one corporation, by the way, there, there's no competition, yeah. uh, then they can bring on starvation levels, especially in the countries in the West where they've, done, they've had a war on the farmers for 50, 60 years or more to eradicate farming. A country that cannot support itself with food is at the mercy of a world government. I have one more question. I don't know if you've ever watched Star Trek before. But uh, do you remember that episode where uh, there was a uh, two factions that were fighting, and rather than actual fighting or, or killing each other, they stepped into machines voluntarily yeah. to to kill each other? Uh, that's right. They had an imaginary war and with imaginary missiles coming over, kind of like global warming, and right by statistics, how many it would kill in a certain area, and that way they both kept their populations down. Yeah. In such a way, we're doing this today. And one more question, I'll let you go. Uh, I heard this 20 years ago, maybe more. Uh, I, was, I was actually quite young. But Winston Churchill, I heard that Winston Churchill had said that the United States would be taken over without firing a single shot. I don't know if you heard that before. Well, I know that uh, Khrushchev certainly said it. He said it on his tour in America. <laughs> well, here we go. Uh, I do thank you. I do support you. I am a... Uh, oh. And the uh, one-man, one-child policy in China. Yeah. Uh, the Book of Revelation talks about specifically the number of the army, 200 yeah. million men. Mm-hmm. How many men do? They, how many fighting man army do they have in China? Yes. 200 yeah. million. Mm-hmm. God, God bless you and take care. You take care as well. Bye bye. Thanks for calling. Now we've got Stefan in Germany. Are you there, Stefan? Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Um, thanks for taking my call. Um, first of all, I wanted to say that uh, the book, uh, the scientific outlook that, that you mentioned is really great, and I uh, read some parts of it uh, to my friends, and they were really shocked. Yes. And the uh, second thing is I'm, I'm a bit confused about uh, the Catholic Church, because on the one hand you say that um, they are standing in the way of the depopulation agenda, and on the other way, uh, if you look into history, um, into history they... Um, they did the Inquisition mm-hmm. and burned women at the stake and, and so on. And, and I wanted you to, to clear that up for me. Yes. Maybe. Yes, well, what was interesting about the Inquisition is that their problems broke out, really, 
in an area that wasn't quite France at the time, southern France today, uh, on the border of Spain. And what they found out, that there was a massive move with uh, people going through this, the villages and converting people into Kabbalah and mysticism and magic. And that started all, all off, you know. And there certainly was an inquisition into it because they couldn't figure out where this was coming from without investigations. And today we know that mass hysteria works very well and people will believe anything. But they also knew that there were drugs were involved, by the way, uh, to create hallucinations within people. But they also had the problem with the ergo of rye. The ergo of rye used to be stored, their granary used to store it for the common villagers, and uh, they'd get a fungus on it. And this fungus mimicked very well LSD. Sometimes whole villages would be uh, apparently under possession and so on, but the priests themselves were ignorant of all that, and, uh, and they thought it was literally the devil had no other reason for it. But there was also behind this a massive movement, uh, and this is the same movement that turned into Rosicrucianism in the 1500s and then into Freemasonry in the 1700s. Now, the Catholic Church itself was a political institution just as much as it was a religious. They used religion, they came out from an empire, and they created the Holy Roman Empire as well, as, long, as well as the Hanseatic League. They were creating a world, one-world trading system there. But there were still, you know, you cannot tar every Catholic priest under the same brush. And so there were still a lot of good people within it. And uh, however, its policies towards uh, children, having lots of children, was a, a major obstacle for the League of Nations and the United Nations. Hold on, Stefan, and I'll finish this after this break. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt, cutting through the matrix and talking to Stefan from Germany to do with the Catholic Church itself. Now, up on YouTube, there is a, uh, I think it's a, a Wallace, a Mike Wallace interview with Aldo Huxley from the 50s, where Huxley said himself, now he belonged to all these big international organizations. He says the only enemy they had left then was the Catholic Church. So, because it was a powerful political religious institution, People tend to throw the baby out with the bathwater because within it too, uh, I'm talking about Christianity itself, even though it's been used as a weapon against the people, within the New Testament, you have the basis for individuality. For the first time, no other religion had given people the right to be an individual. And that became a main enemy of those who wanted a controlled mass society. And as I say, we tend to throw the baby out with the bathwater. But even Malachi Martin himself, who was an advisor to two popes and a cardinal, said himself that the Catholic Church had completely sold out to the secular side. It preferred the, the world and, and, the, and the worldly goods to that of the spirit. And it was totally infiltrated and taken over long ago by Freemasons. In fact, their modern, um, the modern communion they have today was comprised of two Catholics. They made it up and five Protestant Masonic Freemasons. So uh, they're pretty well there over and done with when it comes to being major opposition, but they won't disband it. They'll use it now because it still controls many people, and whatever controls masses of people will definitely be used. And we see the overtures of the present Pope. He's already said himself there are many ways that people can come to God. So in other words, there can be no exclusivity um, in this world religion 
no, no religion claims that it has the exclusive truth. And as long as you say that, you're accepted into the United Nations and the New World Order. Hello? If I, I'm still there. Yeah. Uh, so, so you say that uh, the, the Inquisition was a defense mechanism? Uh, initially it was. I have very old books written about it too. Now much propaganda has been, um, been put out. You'll find that the societies that work behind the scenes down through the centuries always go under victimhood. And you'll find that the Templars, for instance, and the descendants of the Templars make, a, make heroes out of the Albigensians and the Cathars who were practicing this strange religion. Um, and they had mass orgies, by the way, the same kind of orgies you saw hinted at in the Matrix movies, deep underground, that was traditional. And this was all recorded at the time as well. So there was a definite uh, parallel religion on the go at the time. And they had an order of the perfecti. Now, the perfecti were so perfect, they didn't have to follow the rules made for ordinary people. They'd become gods, you see. And if you go follow it up down through the ages, when it became the Scottish Rite of Freemasonry, the Scottish Rite of Freemasonry is also called the Rite of Perfection. This is a continuation of a very old organization that's come down through the centuries. Okay. Um, thanks for taking my call, and uh, I go up the air. Yes, thanks for calling. If you email me as well, I can probably give you the title of some books to read on the Inquisition. Okay, I will do that. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Now we've got Eric from Cincinnati. Oh, it's Eric. Uh, yeah, it's Ohio. Are you there, Eric? Hi, Alan. How are you? I'm hanging in here under a snowstorm. <laughs> well, good for you. Anyways, um, a friend of mine, West Virginia poet, sent, told me or told me that metaphor is a play on the word "may the force be with you." Yeah. Is that yeah. true? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And it looks like you're about ready to go off. So I am ready to go off and shovel the snow. Okay. But uh, I'll talk to you again. All right. You take care. Bye-bye. You take care. Well, from Hamish and myself in Ontario, Canada, where the snow is coming down pretty good, it's good night to me, your God, or your gods go with you. <laughs> <laughs>